you know, you could work for MI5. You'd have Putin's pals eating out your hand. Well, you didn't hear this from me. But all the bigwigs can talk about is the bypass. Well, you know, my neighbour says they're ripping up the red wreck. Oh, that's just the beginning. If Maureen Lungi gets away, there won't be a green space left in Vibora. Councillor Lungi, isn't her husband big in tarmac? But you didn't hear that from me. The talk of the street. 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 Talk of the street. Hello and welcome to episode 179 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that things were pretty close to Zidane opening up a chain of car washes in New Mexico, Hashim selling particularly tasty chicken and Ryan starting to call everyone bitch. I'm Gavin. It's breaking bad, you see. See, this is one of the problems with when we, when I don't know what you're going to say and you don't know what I'm going to say because now I'm just, I find that so amusing that I'm having a hard time doing my bit. Focus. I'm feeling better. <laughs> I feel happy. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, three times good news then. Yes. I'm not too sure what that was though. Monty Python. I never really liked Monty Python. What? I liked the movies. I hated the show. Well, yeah, the, the movie, the uh, one with um with the plague in it. The one with the plague in it. <laughs> Holy Grail. Well, yeah, remember in Holy Grail, the guy, you, you know, he's gonna oh, be yeah, put yeah. on the mm-hmm. back, and he's like, "I'm not dead yet." I get it now. It's. I think maybe your your impression took me down a different path. <laughs> <laughs> well, at that least- cough's still there. Well at, le- <coughs> well, at least we don't have a pizza on our roof. Going back to your Breaking Bad analogy. Not that we know of. Not that we know of. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Well, that's another podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> that's this pod- podcast, but later. And you. <laughs> How are you this week? Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, still sick, but according according to the ER doctor, who for some reason thought I had bronchitis and not pneumonia and 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 was very confused about the fact that I've been on four different antibiotics and for some reason thought that I was on four different bio- antibiotics all at the same time oh, wow. because, you know, he's in his 70s because <laughs> they, they're, they're running out of doctors. Oh, dear. According to him, my latest x-ray looks like it has improved from last week's x-ray. So Oh, well. So that's something. Good times. Good times. Just finished off the last of the of the fourth round of antibiotics, so fingers crossed. This is a special medical section <laughs> off the talk of the street. And I'm back on prednisone, but... I don't know what that is. That's the steroid. Excellent stuff. That, that helps me to breathe. Good. <sighs> How are you? You have strep. I have strep again. Yeah. I you, had... Technically, you probably just never lost it. You probably were getting there and then the antibiotics ran out and you were like well i'm fine now i had the pleasure of 
being swabbed twice <laughs> by a young version of the lead singer of Rage Against the Machine. <laughs> he came out to my car because I, I asked for a COVID test this time because I, I actually thought I did have COVID. And he said, which one do you want first? Uh-huh. And I said, chef's choice, <laughs> which he found delightful. <laughs> so he went for the COVID first, which was up the nose. Yeah. He said, see, that wasn't so bad, was it? I said, it wasn't, but I don't think I want it again. Right. He said, I'm renowned for being uh, the gentlest with the nasal <laughs> swab. And I thought, good for you, pal. <laughs> you, aim, you aim high. And then he did the one in the back of the throat that made me gag, which always makes me gag. Yeah. And he apologised for it and said, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I, I much prefer, I much prefer the nose to the throat. I have to say. The nose one wasn't bad at all. I believe it was worse at the start when they had to really go into your eye cavity to, that's where the COVID cooties used to hang out. Yeah. Even that wasn't nearly, you know. It was it was the same. Oh, just to finish that thought, I don't have COVID. No, no. And I still don't have COVID. Yeah, you seem to be managing to avoid that pretty well. Right, yeah. It's just the strep and the pneumonia strep. is going to kill me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm just like 80% rash. <laughs> That's going down again. It always does. Yeah. It'll come back. Oh, yeah. Well. So, cheery thoughts. Yep. <laughs> what else have you been doing this week? I'm, I'm, I should say that the I've been on a kind of antibiotic fug for the last week. Interesting. Because these ones that I've got are they're double the strength and I've got to take double the dosage. Mm-hmm. And antibiotics always make me feel a little bit weird and off. Mm-hmm. So I don't really remember an awful lot about Coronation Street this week. So I'm going to be learning. <laughs> I'm going to be learning as we go. So I'm looking forward to that. Mm. And I took the week off of work, you know, finally, because finally the, the the act of being sick outweighed the guilt of not processing IRAs for a week. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will do it. And, and yet I was like, no, no, you know, I work from home. It's not like it's a hard job. I could do this. I feel stupid taking sick days. And yet... It actually did help to, you know, basically just stay in bed, you know, and sleep when I needed to. And there we know, go. So, that makes all the difference. Fuck you, capitalism. <laughs> fuck you in the air. <laughs> Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. And give us some of that annuitized coding news. <laughs> week in Corey News. There is no Corey News because all the articles in my Google Alerts were spoilers and frankly I couldn't be arsed to do any more digging than that. I barely had the energy to do more than read novels about an independently wealthy Scottish philosopher who spends a whole 100 pages justifying why she shouldn't publish an article about the trolley question written by her nemesis and then publishes it anyway when she thinks her lover who is 10 years younger than she is and her niece's ex is going to go off to Boston to play bassoon because I don't know, women's emotions, am I right? Anyway... I'm sure the cast and crew of Corey had a lovely, uneventful week, full of joy and free of anxiety. Except maybe Will Roach, whose neighbor's car got stolen. And that's Corey News. That's Corey News. I, I think that's an improvement on previous weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not going to find that in the Daily Star. No. Maybe you should. 
So you've been reading some Alexander McCall Smith, Smith novels then, I, I gather. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't read one of them. I like the covers. Yeah. The covers are always quite nice. So that's the number one. Well, there's the, the number one, there's the number one ladies detective agency, which is the most well-known one. And that's set in Botswana. Right. Because he grew because he grew up partially in Botswana because his parents were missionaries. And that's a delightful series and it's really fun and that's precious Ramatswai. And uh they, they did a they did an HBO series for a while they did? of it. Uh Jill Scott starring, I believe. Um but this is this is and I did read one of those this week, but predominantly I was reading the Isabel Dalhousie books, which just she gets on my nerves so much and yet it's just it's just such easy reading oh <laughs> uh, right, right you know and just the images of scotland are lovely so even though it's mostly edinburgh sitting cumbernauld they, they they do uh they do occasionally go to like the islands and look at lighthouses and stuff and then so- she buys really expensive paintings because she's independently wealthy because of her sainted american mother Anyway, anyway, that was Corey News. And now our mailbag, Tina wrote, listen to the podcast, Crushed Rana Jokes, still relevant, November 2021. <laughs> and now we'll podcast for coffee. <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, for last month. We donated $120 to breast cancer research foundation which i was really pleased about Woo-hoo. they were running a thing where they were triple matching oh wow i'm not sure how that works for the charity uh. triple matches well they have donors who triple match right right good because that kind of becomes a a snake eating its own tail kind of thing right they triple matched and our company double matches yes so 600 bucks went to Brilliant. Um, Breast Cancer Research Foundation, thanks to people buying us coffees, yes. which I think is remarkable. Absolutely. I was going to stop doing it. Yeah. You're like, we're just going to buy our own coffee. Let's buy some coffee. But then I thought, <laughs> you know what? November is Thanksgiving here in the US. Traditionally, we all kind of stuff our faces and it makes you think about people who are less fortunate. So for this month, for the month of November, any coffees bought for us will be converted into donations to the UN World Food Programme whose mission is saving lives and changing lives, uh, delivering food assistance in emergencies and working with communities to improve nutrition and build resilience. One in nine people worldwide still do not have enough food to eat. Food and food-related assistance lie at the heart of the struggle to break the cycle of hunger and poverty, and 50 bucks, a mere 50 bucks, will feed a child for three months. Wow. So any coffees bought for us in November will be donating to... The UN World Food Programme. Excellent. And if you want to do that, you can go to kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. The talk of the street. And now, this. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about Dis My Biscuits. <laughs> Dis My Biscuits? Is, was this Fizz and Tyrone and the 
at, in the sabotage of the biscuits for Oliver's fund. That's right. This was Sally wondering if Abby had just come round to complain about her biscuit selection. Are you oh. just here to diss my biscuits? I was Gavin, and you were helping the Nevada count. I was. I was what? You were helping the Nevada count. Oh. As I was doing my amusing intro, you were going. Oh, that's right. That's right. I remember now. I didn't even vote this year, and I don't feel bad about it. I didn't realize I was a vote until it was over. There was Who only were we voting for. There was only one person running for mayor, so she was going to get it anyway. Oh, Pam. Pam. <laughs> we know the mayor's first name. <laughs> Pam. Nobody else could be ours to run for mayor. That's a poison chalice. That's Paul out now. That's Paul out now. We went from Paul to Pam. Our first woman mayor of our city in our city's history. And neither of us voted for her. No. I wasn't going to go and stand in line to vote for one person with pneumonia. Well, that was my experience of voting the first time, remember? Yeah. There was only one person on the ballot and they pulled out immediately after the voting was done. Right. Which kind of made my whole first voting experience absolutely redundant. Politics, am I right? There we go. (laughs) Joe Biden was declared the new president of the US during our podcast. Or, if you subscribe to a different kind of politics, Joe Biden was declared the new president of the United States during our podcast. Apparently, Leah was going to send you a Connecticut voting sticker. Did you ever do that? No. (laughs) Sorry to bring that up. (laughs) (laughs) Alina is the queen of bad advice this week, encouraging Emma to admit to what turned out to be a trumped-up money laundering charge and getting Michael to see pregnant Grace in prison. Now that we know Debbie is scheming away right with Ray Weinstein, she's far more open with her conniving troublemaking as she turns Tim's dad into an even bigger villain of the piece by giving him a loan of her shaggy CD and ghetto blaster. Ugh. I had to play a clip from Mr. Boombastic. Yes, you did. Which got us demonetised. Remember that? Remember that time we got demonetised? Were we demonetised for that? Oh, yeah. Not that we are making any money from the YouTube anyway, but if we did, we would have lost it. Thanks to Shaggy. It's lucky that you're such a cute human being, Shaggy. Was it you? I think it was. Sean is worried that he doesn't (laughs) earn enough money or have a good enough job to impress Dylan. For the rest of us worry that this storyline will put us to sleep. ITV Corey buys Asha. Remember a truly, Dylan? Vaguely. Whatever happened to Dylan? A truly horrendous pair of training shoes while Addy continues to be the invisible twin who spends way too long hanging around outside the cathedral for a dad and a lad day that doesn't show up. Yeah, Dev has been a horrible parent for, for a while. For years. Poor Addy. Gracie's prison guards love a bit of gossip. Johnny worries that Craig has PTSD. James has off-camera bants with Dobbo, and Aggie still can't cook. A moment of the week goes Leanne's world coming crashing down as she stands alone behind Oliver. And a boring moment of the week was Sean and Dylan playing FIFA. And that was <laughs> the talk of the street in Coronation Street. This time last year. Ah, I, bet, I bet Dylan's moved in with Homeless Carol somewhere. Didn't Dylan have... Didn't his his mother right and her new bow yeah weren't they kind of loaded yeah yeah fuck it he's with them then yeah but remember Sean did the whole pyramid thing and throwing his friends under the bus just just to support Dylan and then Dylan just disappears <laughs> it's like what was the point of that whole storyline well to start with except it was to make to... people hate Sean more like they need a reason. <laughs> 
it was it, to start with. It was to support Dylan, and then Dylan was just never mentioned again. Yeah. Anyway, shall we dive in, my dear? Yeah, please. Our first storyline this morning is our last storyline this morning. So our second storyline is Councillor Maria. How do you solve a councillor like Maria? <laughs> That's what I had in mind. <laughs> well done. In Roy's roles on Monday, Gary has some council news for Maria. They're going to be ripping up part of the red wreck to build a bypass, and Maria is mortified. Then Gary shows her a video of Liam from Emmerdale dancing with vegetables, which gives Maria an idea. Maria, an idea. You look confused. Okay, so that was the guy from Emmerdale dancing with the vegetables. I, or like a superhero with vegetables or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was lost on me. Because I don't watch Emmerdale. This whole, like, tie-in for climate change... It didn't really feel all that effective. <laughs> well, let me look out the window. <laughs> no, Comes Greta Thunberg just flying into our to our yard. To... Turn your heating down, because <laughs> it's Arnold Schwarzenegger apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, when they said that they were going to do little crossover things, right? I thought it was going to be more than just a completely disposable part of a scene right that because because later on it's also a completely disposable part of the scene where it's like oh look in this newspaper about this hospital in holby city and what they're doing with planting vegetables on their roof Mm -hmm. or something as they read the paper anyway Hmm. and it sounds like scooby-doo and his gang have solved (laughs) another mystery hmm but anyway, back to Coronation Street. Have a crossover event. Have a crossover event. Not a, like a five-second clip of a video mm-hmm. where you don't even hear the guy talk. So you have no idea what he's doing. Well, I was completely confused as well because I do watch Emmerdale. And Liam isn't really much of a character for dancing, I, I don't think. So you see him with a big smile on his face doing this silly wee dance. But then when I watched Emmerdale later in the week, it, it started to make a little bit more sense because you saw it from his point of view. Mm-hmm. But still, it was it was fine there. But I, I, just, I don't know. I, all this kind of deliberate name dropping really clunk up the yeah, script a little it bit. It was it was not effective. <clears throat> anyway, but that's that's not to say don't try again. Mm. Just do a bit better. Yes. Then Sally's getting her door painted, Pueblos Blancos, by Tim, who just calls it white. Yeah. When Maria comes along to complain about the development of the Red Wreck, Sally is shocked to, but sees a potential benefit with the parking situation. You know, all this bypass stuff is going to drag traffic away from the city centre and from Weatherfield and, mm-hmm. you know, our, our parking will maybe improve. Right. Which would, in theory, help with the gas fumes on the street, mm-hmm. which would, in theory, help Liam. However, green space is important and trees are important for also getting rid of carbon dioxide. So it's really a catch-22. And you, Maria is right. You do not see anything green on that street except for weeds, Seb's Memorial Garden and the, the, the metaphorical garden with the foxes in mm-hmm. it. And uh, Ed after he's eaten some of Aggie's food. <laughs> and even that's just I'm, like... I'm all right, guys. And even mm. that's just like things in pots. <laughs> That look half dead. Maria harps on about Liam, who apparently has asthma, so Sally promises to find out what she can. Fergus, who doesn't work at the factory, is in the factory picking up boxes for Izzy. Sally leaps out with the chance to probe him. Turns out... But not like that. Turns out the bypass is all 
the big wigs can talk about, and it has Councillor Lungie's backing, whose husband is big in tarmac. If they get their way, there'll be nary a blade of grass left in Weatherfield. See, isn't that a bit, I don't know, quid pro quo and um, a conflict of interest and maybe kind of shady and maybe an argument against all of this? Oh, very much so, but... But nobody but it's is 2021 making, and nobody cares about that anymore. And nobody's making, yeah, nobody's making a big deal. The whole week, I keep expecting that to be the big thing. Mm. For that to be what <coughs> Maria will eventually talk to the the Chris lady who apparently writes all of the articles for the Weather Gazette now. Right. And, and, and everything. And it just, it, it falls flat. Mm. Sally tells Maria what she learned from Fergus. Maria thinks the red wreck are the lungs of Weatherfield. No wonder it's <laughs> dying. S- Sally thinks the bypass will help congestion, but Maria isn't satisfied and so goes to get Chrissy's number from Fizz. So Chris, the journalist, is filming a piece on Maria when she and Tracy get into a slanging match about who cares most about stuff. Maria gives an impassioned speech that Chris thinks will be awesome and go viral and whatever. And it does. And it does on other soaps. But it's it's hilarious because because Tracy just sees an opportunity to park to park her Preston Pedals van <laughs> right there and stand with a bouquet just to get some free advertising. Right. Because Tracy. <laughs> Absolutely. And on Wednesday, Maria has gone viral. That's right, she's tested positive for anthrax. <laughs> nope. She's a woman on a mission to cancel this fucking bypass, much to Gary's annoyance at her lack of chat. He thinks Sally was right when she suggested dropping the whole matter. Gary, from the from the from the annals of Kev's advice for putting your wife down and making sure she knows who's the boss. Right. Later Maria bumped into Ken and Daniel, who were impressed by her viral video. Maria is humorless about it and rants about this bypass for 11 years. She tries to enlist her help for a demo. Ken promises to post something online and Daniel just walks away. (laughs) Maria has managed to haul Mary and Roy, who doesn't want to block the highway. That's all he's caring about. We mustn't block the highway. But that's precisely what Maria wants to do, like these insulate Britain people. (laughs) Did you see the picture of the insulate Britain people blocking the way of an insulation truck? Oh, did it? (laughs) You see, like, this green insulation truck. Lovely stuff. (laughs) The world is going to help people. Yeah. I don't know. Slowly and humorlessly. I can see kind of both sides to this. Nothing gets done quietly. You don't... You're protesting stuff with placards and letters to the editor. Nothing gets done. You have to do something to take notice, but... You do that and and insulation doesn't get to where it's supposed to be going <laughs> and people don't get to hospital and all that kind Stuff. of thing that is unfortunate. What is Insulate Britain even about? They want people to insulate their homes. Oh, okay, so that's a good thing. <laughs> I thought I thought it was some racist Brexit shit. No, well, I don't think so. I think it's literally that they want people to insulate their lofts and things to stop climate change. All right, so you wouldn't have to use so much oil energy, and right. energy mm-hmm. to heat your homes, yes. But the guy 
Oh no, we're getting into, we're getting into territory <laughs> that I really want to avoid. So, Ken has rustled up some elderly and infirm activists to join the cause. One lady has even been to Nicaragua. Aggie has nothing better to do, so she joins Maria in too. Maria is such a bitch. Mm-hmm. I was hoping to get some. Who is she hoping to get to this? She's like some some big wigs or some Greta. popular people. She wanted Greta. That's who she wanted. Uh, be grateful for what you have, Maria. Right. Then the council leader shows up in his big gas-guzzling Merc because their name was in the script and they were given instructions to show up on set that day. Maria <laughs> starts a chant, air pollution's not a lie, do not let our children die. Monorail, monorail, <laughs> monorail. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> yes, it does. Spoiler, it doesn't. <laughs> then Phil with two L's shows up. He's also on the planning committee, much to everyone's surprise. What? Then PC Tinker shows up, and he begs everyone to be reasonable about this. Chris, the journalist, is there with a photographer who manages to get a snap taken before Ken fucks off for lunch. That's it, says Ken. Lunchtime. Yep. Where are you going, says Mary? Lunch. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Sure. Maria's disappointed that Phil with two L's is on the committee, but kept it quiet and goes off to offer Chris, the journalist, another exclusive. But Maria bores Chris, the journalist, with the same old rant, so she slowly walks away, muttering something about getting things from a different angle. Right. See, this is where it would have been smart to say, well, the, the council person who's really pushing this, her husband's really into tarmac. So there's a quid pro quo there mm. and a conflict of interest. That's an interesting angle, don't you think? Chris, the journalist from the Wethy County Gazette person? <laughs> She's also a footballer. Who, who I guess the Wethy Gazette also has videos now. And also... Oh, it has a, 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 a social media presence, yeah. yeah. Hmm. Then Phil, with two L's, comes out. They're on a break <laughs> in the meeting, and he offers to take Maria for a cuppa. If you know what I mean. And Roger Rolls, Phil, with two L's, <laughs> makes a case for not banning cars, but he promises to try to help, and thinks Maria's capable of fighting her own corner, and he suggests that she runs for the council. Maria jumps on the idea, and the phone, to tell Chris, the journalist, I've got that angle you were looking for. I'm going to apply to be a counsellor. I'm not sure that's... Anyway, it's, Mar- it's Maria. On Friday, Maria is the headlines in the Weather Gazette, much to Liam's embarrassment. Bernie thinks she'll have a tough job separating people from their cars. Maria has a beaner bonnet about the council thing, and Bernie thinks that she'll do a great job. And then, obviously, doesn't think that she'll do a great <laughs> job. Sally pops into Roy's Rolls and finds out from Aggie that not only is Marie on the front page of the Weather Gazette, not only has she been interviewed by the Weather Gazette, but she's also running for the council. Furious. And also, Holby City is growing the garden <laughs> on top of the roof of their hospital, and maybe we should do that here. Right. And anyway, Mulder and Scully, meanwhile, <laughs> are investigating <laughs> some paranormal activity. <laughs> Furious, Sally stomps off, leaving Aggie and Bernie confused. Aren't they on the same side? Well, they are, but they're from d- very different angles, I think. Right, and also, nobody. We're, we're getting puts Sally in the corner. Right, we're getting we're getting our Sally at her very much most hyacinth bouquet. Right, uh, and that's the way we like her. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm glad to get this Sally back. Frankly, yeah, there's something quite comforting about her when she's complaining about colour schemes to, to Tim about her uh-huh. front door. You right, know, yeah. It is white. 
And then, you know, acting like, you know, being a knicker stitcher means she's more qualified to be a council person than cutting hair. Right. Because Sally. Right. <laughs> so Maria and Sally finally show down in devs. Sally tries to talk Maria out of running for the council, but Maria will not be dissuaded and instead belittles Sally by casting up how she was so badly suited to be the mayor that she ended up in jail. Maria has also been in jail. Right, but not not while she was mayor. No. She thinks <laughs> Sally is jelly because she's been listening. She thinks Sally is jelly because she's been listened to. Fuck that, says Sally, and she decides on the spot to run against Maria. Now... In fairness, Sally was talking about running for council weeks ago when she... Well, Fergus was planting the seeds. Right, yeah. When when she and Fergus were going after that one council guy who was an asshole and parking his car legally, mm-hmm. but only but also on the curb, so illegally, you know, that, that seed was planted then. So in fairness, Sally was always going to run for council. Yeah, she didn't officially put her stake in the ground though so Maria has beaten her to it yeah and also I don't think she spoke to Maria about it no in the rovers Maria tells Fizz and Phil with two L's that she'll be standing as an independent candidate but Sally will also be running unfortunately says Maria we live in a free country (laughs) the prospective politician and local (laughs) councillor making her views known about a sounds about right sounds about right I've I've heard I've nope. heard I've heard worse from local politicians. Nobody bats an eyelid. No. And Phil with two L's promises to help wherever he can. Team Maria is up and running, says Fizz. Cheers everybody. Which brings us on to this week's hard debate. Maria has made her hatred for a free and fair country quite clear in tonight's Corey, but if elected, where do you think her skewed views could take Weatherfield and the country? Would she ban the car? Make everything rose gold? Imprison Sally on the red wreck? Or start global thermonuclear war? I voted for rose gold. You did? Yes. Let's see what the... Using the List of Lists podcast Twitter handle, I voted for rose gold. At list of lists one, by any chance? Yes. So the voting was thus: ban the car, sixteen percent; global thermonuclear war, twenty-five percent. I was disappointed in that. I had kind of the dead zone by Stephen King vibes about Maria getting right. into local politics. Make everything rose gold was twenty-eight percent. Yay! And just in prison, Sally on the red wreck, thirty-one percent. So. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look good for Sally for Sally and her freedom if Maria gets voted into the, the council. Yes. Although, if Sally wins, she'll have Maria killed. <laughs> Kill her. <laughs> and that's as far as we got with that storyline this week. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Oh. <laughs> yeah, Who wins between Sally and Maria? Let's pit two women against one another. It's hilarious. And also, Aggie still can't cook. Although, I was happy to see Aggie involved in both this and another storyline it was nice to see all of all of that family <coughs> all of the baileys kind of except for ed it took and michael, yeah, michael. and, and so michael all, all of the baileys then <laughs> all the baileys we saw and you know bailey adjacent people like danny danny got his own storyline this week i was quite happy about that a little bit yeah, yeah. so you know i'm happy 
about that. It's fun to see another protest, even if it was like really spread out and nobody really had any placards or anything. But I, I wanted to learn more about this woman from, from being in Nicaragua. I know, I know. Is that the Sandinistas? Was that them? Probably. Probably. <laughs> yeah, but you know, can be like all high and mighty. These people have been were protesting before you were in diapers, Maria. Mm-hmm. I wish they would make Maria less obnoxious because it just She's it obnox- makes me it makes me want to crank up the heat in this house <laughs> and leave my car idling for hours. She's obnoxious, but she's also kind of she's kind of stupid. She's not the brightest, right? Right. But that's kind of been that's and kind that of been her thing for and that years. Doesn't help. No, no, it, it makes it worse because it, it kind of makes her argument a little shit. But right. it seems that she's getting people on board and she seems to be getting people on side for this, which right. is And the whole surprising. bypass thing does sound like a terrible idea. Even though like people keep giving these weird arguments for it, like like Daniel's whole well, we're we're phasing out fossil fuel cars anyway, so they'll all be electric, so it's fine. It's like that doesn't help the the lack of trees to absorb all the carbon dioxide daniel right <laughs> that's not an argument mm. well it's an yeah. a bad argument right and you're supposed to be smart <laughs> yeah but maria's <coughs> the fact that they've that they've put this on maria I... because liam's got asthma right when when we've are we've already seen her smash a van up because liam has asthma and then walk down the street by herself. Yeah, you'd think it. With, with the theme song of the Hulk playing in the background. <laughs> right. If the if the papers got a hold of that, th- there's an angle right. for them. Not a good one, though. No, a, a, a very bad one. It's been ages since Maria's had a storyline that hasn't involved her just sleeping with somebody. And you know what? Just once, just once, I want a husband on the street to be supportive of what his wife is trying to do just once can we just once have a guy say yeah it's great that you're running for office i really encourage this good for you instead of i don't know sounding jealous about it like no you're supposed to be paying attention to me and my stupid furniture selling (laughs) whatever yeah. stuff you know the fact that gary's complaining about maria always being on her phone while he is also on his phone was just i just wanted to smack somebody although gary's hair is looking better did you notice I did, yeah his hair has grown out and it actually looks nice now well that's something <laughs> it's something that's something going for this storyline <laughs> i like gary's hair now who'd you think News at 11 who'd you think would win between sally and maria you know what's gonna happen Somebody else is going to win. There's going to be a third person, an old white dude, and he's going to win. <laughs> well, because they're going to be, you know, Sally and Maria are too busy sp- cat fighting, and they're going to split their vote. Right. So rather than everyone getting behind one of them, right. So it'll go to some old white dude who wants to burn their whole red rack down and and build a fossil fuel plant on it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. A chicken rendering place. Right. Just to get that smell going. And then the river will be set ablaze. Like, Mr. Burns, basically, like from The Simpsons. Cleveland yeah. in the 70s. Excellent. 
Moving on then to our next storyline <laughs> is Dying to Get Married. On Monday, <coughs> Curtis, who's been on the Just for Men, is worried about his upcoming anatomy exam. He can't get anything to stay in his head these days and the medication makes it hard for him to concentrate. Emma wishes Just like you. that she could help. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I wondered what you were talking about because I'd forgotten that I'd said that. <laughs> Later, Emma spots Aggie on the street and has some questions for her about anatomy. Aggie is exhausted and just wants to get home. Uh, and drink wine. And she's also got to be helping Sally with that parking shite. But she might have some books that could be useful. Yeah, so again... A smart and good use of Aggie mm-hmm. in somebody else's storyline. And Aggie has been good to her word and has given Emma some books. And she's in the rovers now reading up an anatomy in an afternoon in the hope that this will help a medical student revise. <laughs> Back at the flat, Emma has covered every surface with anatomy questions on post-it notes. Which is very cute. Curtis is initially amused until he learns that Emma has been speaking to Aggie. He turns about when he learns that Aggie is a nurse. These books belong in the ark, he says. These are no use to me. Yeah, the information is still good, though, as far as anatomy. They haven't changed the name of the occipital muscles. There's been a lot of change in the way that human bodies are put together in the last 20 years. (coughs) Damn you, evolution. (laughs) Emma doesn't know why he's upset. Curtis accuses her of discussing his private business with people who work at the hospital. He doesn't need the pressure. Because apparently but, all these people are going to talk to each other and then he's going to be the guy that's about to die and no one's going to give him a fair crack of the whip. And 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 yet, they, at least somebody there knows about this because, first of all, he's been admitted into the hospital a number of times and also he has to be able to say to his boss, look, you know, I can't come into work today because I'm dying, maybe. Who knows? Right. We'll see. Well, that old chestnut. <laughs> Emma apologises, not for the first time, for letting them down and making things worse. On Wednesday, Emma has lost Curtis. He's not at home, he's not at work, and Debbie isn't in the mood for humouring her. Emma bumps into Steve, who is vaguely more interested until Emma starts explaining about Aggie's books. Steve finds Curtis in the community garden. There's no point taking his exam because he could drop dead tomorrow. Steve agrees, but then he doesn't agree. He's using reverse psychology. Now, don't give up, you dull, dull character. You go and sit that pointless exam. And I'll take you in my taxi. But Steve has a flat battery. What? So Curtis, with a heart condition, decides that he's going to give him a push start, which gets the car going, but conversely makes Curtis collapse, clutching his heart. Steve takes Curtis to the hospital and and as he's wheeled away to get checked out, he asks Steve to downplay it to Emma. Just call it a little wobble. Mm -hmm. So Emma comes rushing into the hospital, blaming herself as per usual, just as Curtis has been checked out and sent home. He's fine. He just needs to take some paracetamol or something and take it easy. Steve, Curtis and Emma get back on the street. Curtis oddly keen to uh, chat to Trace about the wedding that they may or may not be going to and how... How nice she uh, How well Tracy has been turned out, and Tracy's really touched by this and predictably starts moaning that Steve, why don't you say things like that to me? And Steve's like, mm. bah, bah, bah. <laughs> exactly like that. Right. Emma wants sloppy to, Muppet mouth. Emma wants to rush him home so she can blame herself for other things in private. Tracy reveals to Steve that Emma should have told Curtis to get to fuck as soon as she found out about the illness thing. Because back Tracy. At, back at the flat, Emma insists it's healthy eating from now on and she's going to join in too. An excited Curtis wants to talk about a bucket list. He may have ages, 
but wants to seize the time he does have now. Also, he'd quite like to get married to Emma, and he proposes. Of course, she says. Yes. So there, so that's a thing. That's a thing now. <laughs> On Friday, Curtis <laughs> and Emma are chatting about dates for the wedding. They seem to be aiming for Christmas, so like less than two months in the future. Sure. That's a thing as well. Well, you know, because weddings are so small now, thanks to COVID. Curtis and Emma summon Steve and Tracy and all of Curtis's friends and family to the Rovers. Except it's just Steve and Tracy. Right, and Tracy thinks that Emma's up the duff. Right, or up the podge, as she says. But no, they announce their engagement and a Christmas wedding. Can't you just get a puppy like normal folk, asks Tracy. Steve thinks it's sudden until Curtis reminds everyone that he's practically dead as it is. So everyone pretends to be happy for them. Steve finds Tracy later at the florist. He feels bad about not illegally using Oliver's fund to help Curtis and wants to use her savings to help instead. Tracy would have preferred for Steve to have gone behind her back and just done this, <laughs> which Steve takes as being a green light. <laughs> Was which, that a green light? Well, it kind of sounds like she wanted him to do it without telling her, but if he had done that, she would have killed him. Oh yeah, absolutely. And she may still kill him. Yeah, she seemed furious. And yet she still wants him to do it. So Steve goes to the Rovers to tell Emma that he's going to pay for Curtis's specialist bill. Emma is thrilled. Call it an early wedding present, says Steve. (laughs) Back at the flat, Curtis is blown away that Emma's family are being so generous. Emma is too, especially as not so long ago. She didn't even know that Steve was her dad. If only we had met years ago, he says with a tear in his eye. And then he announces that he's quitting medical school so he can spend more time with her. And she thinks this is a wonderful idea. In Roy's roles, Tracy and Steve worry about how bad a carer they would make if fate wasn't in their favour. Yeah. (laughs) Tracy would be terrible and Steve would be incompetent. In comes Daniel. Right, because remember how incompetent Steve was at at helping to take care of Peter. Mm -hmm. In comes Daniel, who Steve calls Dan. (laughs) That doesn't work at all, does it? He's not a Dan. (laughs) No. And after getting some gentle probing, he admits like that. that he wouldn't have changed anything with Bethany. I mean, <coughs> I mean Sinead. Yeah, even except though, for maybe her dying. Even though their time was short. Yeah, because he can always find someone else to put in the sex cardigan. Right. So, we haven't talked about it going through the storyline, but we must talk about it now. What is Curtis's deal? What the fuck is going on I here? don't know. There's a lot of theories flying around that he has Munchausen's right, syndrome. Right. But he is on medication. We have seen a heart surgery scar on his chest. Yes. And if you have Munchausen's, you are desperately trying to tell everybody about your condition and every little detail about your condition. And you're trying to get everybody to take care of you and your condition and that is not what curtis is doing at all it's so either you know either he does and and the show just didn't research exactly what people with munchausen's do right that's what's worrying me is it munchausen's but just munchausen's wrong (laughs) because let's let's be honest the show has not always gotten mental illness right in the past. No, and I think we can probably say that not everyone with Munchausen's behaves in exactly the same way. Right, but I mean the whole point is to get attention and Curtis wants the opposite of that. 
if you've ever read any of the Baron von Munchausen books or seen the movies with with is it, is it Terry Gilliam please Baron von Munchausen that is one of the options right now, I was given, I think your theory is much more interesting I was given although wrong <laughs> I was given a little hint towards this from uh, a guy on Twitter or someone on Twitter called Quimnig do Gialamnaka. Sure. Which I, I think might be made up. <laughs> and they think that Curtis is Jess Quigley's son out for revenge, drug dealer Jess Quigley, <laughs> who was killed by Jim. Right. There is a connection there right. that, that would be... Um, which seems far-fetched and pulling really back from the past, but let's all remember Jed. Right. We, Jed. We, and uh, Jim's... Oh, what yeah. What was her name? What's, yeah, Jim's, Jim's daughter, who was actually his lover, mm-hmm. because she wasn't really his daughter. Right. And they were trying to scam Liz. Right. So there's a there form here. Right. <laughs> from the distant past a lot. But that whole thing made me go back to kind of analyse a little bit more about what what do we know about Curtis. Curtis exactly. And he was introduced off screen as a guy who ran Steve off the road during a bike race. Right. And Steve came back covered in grease and limping and right and mud and had a, a buckled wheel around his neck right. and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and then. They realised, or Curtis realised when he came in to see Emma, because he'd already met Emma right. separately, yes. that this girl is Steve's daughter. Right. And and so therefore, I think if he was out for revenge on Steve, seeing Steve and just trying mm-hmm. to hurt him, maybe saw an opportunity to do a little bit more damage if Emma is his daughter. Right. And that conversation... As insignificant as it was with Tracy through the week where he complimented Tracy. Right. I don't think it's done for no reason. It's a really weird thing to be done for no reason. It's slightly, um, it's superficially acceptable. And yet the show does a lot of things for no reason. Like uh, Imran disappearing for a week and then just randomly showing back up. I don't think that they know that that was a thing. And the ghost. Well, the ghost, sure. You know, it's it's this is this is the frustrating thing, and uh, the red herring with Audrey and her sight, and thinking that she was going to drive into the sinkhole. Well, that that may still come back, and you know that was our fault for really maybe putting too much importance on it. But but, but anyway, so <coughs> so he's he's kind of flirted a little bit with Tracy, who didn't seem to be appalled no. by it at all. Is this a little seed that's getting planted for maybe something happening there where the two of them, or where he manages to fabricate an affair or something? Or maybe he's just trying to be nice to his future mother-in-law. But think You're about, nice to my mother. Think about how he, but I'm not on a soap opera. <laughs> true. Or are you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope not. Be really bored. Some, some of the things that I do in private. Anyway. <laughs> So, what I, what, what then seemed to be uh, interesting on Friday was 
Emma saying, and I don't even, I didn't even know that Steve was my dad not so long ago. That's uh-huh. a strange thing just to say out of the blue. Curtis's reaction to this, where he was kind of teary, mm-hmm. and says, if only we had met years ago. Years ago, before you knew that Steve was your your dad, if only we'd met, ago, met at that point. I think you're reading too much into this. I think he's starting to have some doubts about his plan here. I do think he's out for revenge on Steve. I, I do think that. Why would he agree to push the cab with his heart condition down a cobbled street? Why would he do that? I get out of breath doing that, and I'll probably say, well, you're on your own there, or try and get someone else uh, involved in it. Why would he do it when he knows that it's likely to um, to hurt him? Why do we never see a doctor talking to him about his condition? Well, we did that one time. I don't think we did. We did. We did, because the guy came in and said, we want to run some more tests, and he's yeah, like, Yeah, we want no. to run some tests, but that's not mentioning anything about a condition. That's just what would happen if you went in and you had some right. arrhythmia but again, thing going on. The- there is something wrong with him. He has had, he does have a scar on his chest. He has had heart surgery. That's that's very much a heart surgery scar. That's that's not something, there's, there's nothing else that, that that could have come from. And he is on a lot of medication. We've seen him taking lots and lots of medication. And hospitals and doctors don't just pass medication out willy-nilly. And he does belong to that support group. We have seen that we know him nothing with, about with that support group. We haven't seen him with them for a while now, but you know, th- and this is something that was that he was established in before he met Emma and Steve, or or maybe he was lying about it. But no, because then all of those people in the meeting the with one him, person, no, more than one. There was one woman. There was that one woman, but then there was the other guy that they met on Zoom. Remember? No. Yeah, there was like one Zoom meeting that Emma sat in on. There, if Fight Club has taught us nothing else, is you don't really need to be an alcoholic to go along to Alcoholics Anonymous. Well, that's true. There's something funny going on with And him. also you can make soap out of humans. There is something weird. It doesn't all add up. No, nothing, nothing in this adds up. And, and if he is exactly who he says he is, with everything that he says is going on, he is the most boring character on the show by a considerable margin. And I'm including... You're welcome, Daniel. And I'm including Daniel in that. And Chesney. Yeah, absolutely. What a boring, boring character if there isn't something going on. I don't think it's Munchausen's. I think he's out for revenge. We'll see. Uh, whatever it is, it just... It feels... <laughs> more convoluted this wedding is just ridiculous I don't, I don't I honestly don't know why Emma is so absolutely other than that she's a nice person but you know what he's making her boring and it's it's funny because like in one breath he's proposing and in another breath he's like well we don't really know very much about one another and it's like they know nothing have they, have they been on a date well, they're living together now. Have they been on a date? Yes, they have been on a date. They've been on a couple dates, and they also live with one another, so every day's a date. Just like us, my darling. Every day's a date. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> Moving on, then. I don't know. Maybe they just, you know, they've got Abby 
and Kev done, so they need somebody else to get engaged. And yet, poor Chesney and Gemma have been engaged for over a year now. Oh, much longer than that. <laughs> and we still don't have a wedding for them. Yeah. Okay, okay. Our next storyline this morning is Curry Wars. On Monday at Speed Dial, Zidane is disappointed to learn that Ryan has been hired back as a waiter. I've got my eye on you, says Zidane. Likewise, says Ryan, after I caught you talking to that bloke who walked into the camera last week. <laughs> Zidane admits that it's his ex-father-in-law and then tells Ryan to mind his own beeswax, which is what he said last week. But Ryan doesn't mind his own beeswax and instead he explains to Alia about what he saw on Friday and Zidane's evasiveness about it. Alia is glad that Ryan spoke with her about it. So Zidane is on the phone to, I think it's Hashim. I've been saying Hashim. I think it's Hashim. I think I'm still going to say Hashim. It's just easier it, for me it, to say. It's Hashim. Apologising for being a shit at money laundering until PC Tinker comes in wanting a word. He's spoken to Alia and wants hello, to, hello, hello. And wants to assure him that if he wants to complain about Hashim being horrid to him, he's here to listen. Then there's an odd conversation where PC Tinker tries to prove that he's got a massive cock by complaining <laughs> about Speed Dal's mild curries. Yeah, that was weird. That seems to take on a, a... I was I was waiting for a reference to EastEnders during that conversation. What on earth are they talking about? This is this is just further proof that PC Taker really is racist. <laughs> Here I am, the big white guy, complaining about <laughs> how unspicy your, your spice is. It's like I saw a joke on, on Twitter yesterday about how you know, the most um, unrealistic thing about Dune is that in the year 10,361, white people finally learn how to use spice. <laughs> <laughs> it's not really about spice. Anyway, Zidane snaps at Alia and Ryan for getting the police involved. Alia and Ryan are unapologetic, but Zidane urges them to stay the fuck out of his beeswax. Yeah. On Wednesday, Ryan and Alia have an awkward moment in the street, a bit like when someone wishes you a happy birthday and you say, oh, you too. Then she sees Zidane, who surprises her by claiming that he's already turned last night's takings into the bank. Alia and Yasmin are chatting about boys, namely Ryan and whether Alia should get, uh, should take him back. They're interrupted by Zidane, who has hired the, camp, the catering van again. He wants to make a proper go of it. He gets another threatening call for Hashim, but tells him to cool his jets. This is all going to work out just fine. So Zidane loads up the van and drives off solo, telling Ryan that he can just stay where he is. He's off to sell some Pakistani street food on the street to people who want Pakistani street food. Sure. Then he shows back up at Speeddal, a very happy man. He's just turned over 800 quid in an afternoon, and everyone is impressed, although Ryan is a bit suspicious. That is an awful lot of chapatis. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Hmm. So, so Zidane just, like, is turning his... the truck around the corner. Yeah, he's turned that into his money laundering right. idea. Which is fine. It's not a bad idea, actually. Yeah, it works. It separates it from the rest of the business. It gives right. him some control over the money. He can right. put in... It's probably largely a cash business, if, especially if he says it doesn't take cards. Right. You know? Seems like a, a good way to start mm-hmm. laundering some money. Yep. Thanks for the tip, Coronation Street. <laughs> We're off to rent a truck right now. Right. I don't know. I liked the whole, you know, Ryan proclaiming his his love for Alia and, and Alia catching it, you know, from behind. Oh, she did? Yes. Oh, I missed that. How did you miss that? I'm not because well. <laughs> I'm also not well. 
and, and, yet, I'm, and I'm taking notes. And yet, because well, he I'm, says I'm this, writing things down. and then the camera moves and you see Alia behind him with this face. Oh, so she heard? She heard all of that. When was this? Was this before or after he said happy birthday to her when it wasn't her birthday? It was before, because that's why that conversation was awkward, because Alia didn't want to let Ryan know that she knew that he was still deeply in love with her. Oh. And that's why Alia has the conversation with Yasmin about Ryan still being deeply in love with her and her not knowing how to react to it. Okay, this makes much more sense now. <laughs> that's excellent. Good. But, I, I but, want them to get back together again. But the whole Zidane, Hashim, money laundering stuff, I, I just can't be arsed to care about it i really can't know if zidane was a character that we knew really well who had never left the street and if this had been building up for a while now and if we had like seen more than just one beat up scene with with hashim if we had seen hashim like scheming and and skiving and and being you know very rick the chin in his office feeding his plants sort of thing i might care more but because neither one of these characters were even in the show like a month and a half ago, I really just, I can't care because there's there's all this other stuff going on with characters that are well-established and well-developed and then also boring, weird Curtis stuff. Well, Zidane, I think, has a bit more um, goodwill from his previous stint that you weren't really that much of a... Wasn't he like a really, really crappy husband to... Or, fiance to oh, her husband yeah to rana and like was really shitty to her when she came out and stuff and was not a great guy yeah he didn't take it well that his wife was a lesbian right ross from friends took it much better <laughs> i have to say all right moving on to danny's on course to that london or is he on Wednesday, Danny turns up for work and Debbie has a proposal for him. She's I'm not like that. She's No, it's like that. She's planning <laughs> on trialling a private dining experience and gives Danny carte blanche to put a menu together. Right. He's very excited about this. James is in the bistro looking over the treats on Danny's menu and is, and is very impressed well, with what he sees. Well, he doesn't understand half of it and would rather eat beans on toast. Ron is at the bistro and is very impressed with Danny's menu too, which seems to have a, a lot of Antiguan uh, influences. Well, it has one Antiguan influence. That's mentioned put, a couple of times. Yeah, but it's the same dish mentioned is a it? number of times. So we know about the Antiguan chocolate goat and we know about Parmesan puffs or Parmesan clouds. Ronnie isn't sure that the market is big enough here to support his talent. He says that he and James both have the world at their feet. James is back in the bistro complaining about a knee injury he's picking up, he's picked up in training and he wants to keep it quiet from his manager after he's just had that whole injury crisis thing. My microphone just fainted. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard to listen to you quite a bit this morning. <laughs> Daniel, won't oh, fuck you. <laughs> Daniel won't hear of it and even though he has a menu Daniel. to work on. Danny. Danny won't hear of it. And even though he Two has... Two different characters. Danny and Daniel. Why? <laughs> Danny won't hear of it. I've spelt here wrong. Doesn't matter. Danny won't hear of it. And even though he has a menu to work on, he decides to clock off to take James to his physio appointment. 
On Friday, James has had good news. His knee is fine or something, whatever. Danny offers to help him with his rehab exercises exactly like that. Mm-hmm. Ronnie drops into the bistro to book a table for him and his fancy that London restaurateur <coughs> friend. Who owns all of those fancy restaurants that win awards. You know the one. Mm-hmm. The one that all the celebrities go to. I think, is he talking about the Ivy? I don't know. I think he's just being as generic as possible. He's a wank. Fill in the blank. He's Phil the wank. What's his name anyway? That- he doesn't have a name. <laughs> Ronnie's lunch with his fancy friend is going well. His pal very impressed with the menu and the meal. Ronnie goes off to tell Debbie the good news and then go for a shite while his pal makes a play to poach Danny from the bistro and entice him down to that London to one of his famous award-winning restaurants where all the celebrities eat. Right, and wins all the awards. More awards than the than the Great Britain Olympics Olympic team. team. Yeah, that wasn't a clunky line at all, was it? It was so weird. Danny is thrilled, but wants time out to think about it. The bloke isn't interested unless Danny is 100% committed. To this, to this job offer that just Made randomly popped 15 out. 15 seconds ago. 15 seconds ago, which would require him to leave his home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And move right to, to a new London. city. Later, Danny confides in Ronnie about the job offer. Ronnie assumes that he's going to take it, but Danny loves here and, and he's in love with James. Right. Ronnie advises to be careful with James's feelings. And, Danny, and then he says, "Just kidding." <laughs> Danny meets up with James in the Rovers. James announces how much he loves Danny and appreciates him being the bestest boyfriend in the whole world ever. So Danny keeps his mouth shut about that the London gig, right? And that's as far as we get without this. Oh, week. and then he, but he, he does turn it down. Oh, he turned it down. Yeah. What, what, what the fuck's happening here? When James went for a shite, Danny called the guy up and said, "Thanks for thanks, but no thanks to the offer." And then James comes back towards the tail end and says, "Oh, who is that?" And Danny says, "Oh, just one of our distributors." So Danny who loves James so much that he's turning down this job, mm-hmm. lies to James about turning down this huge job. Yeah. Because people lie on this show for no reason all the time. Right. But what also people do in this show all the time is turn something down that they then go on to accept. I think Danny is going to accept this job. I hope not. And I think James is going to go with him. And I think both of them are going to leave the show. I hope not. First of all, when is, when is James going to commute to Welly County? To he'll, play? Get a, he'll get a gig for another team. Yeah, he could take that, that, that gig in Germany. Or, or <laughs> he's, just open it sounds like his knee's just about to fucking give up the ghost anyway well all athletes have knees like that don't they that's that's one of the perks of being an athlete is that your body's falling apart all the time perk yeah i think i think james is on his way out i like james i like james I like as well Danny. but as a character, I, I like i like the fact that oh maybe we're like actually going to use these characters now and i hope we're not finally using these characters now just to get rid of them i think we are that makes me sad yeah, Danny's a far more interesting character than James is. But, well, but again, it's just like Ronnie. They're not giving them much to thrive on. Right. It's just like Ronnie. Ronnie is much more interesting than Ed. Right. 
and Ronnie was, I don't know what he was wearing. <laughs> it, it didn't go, but he looked fabulous in it. Yeah. He didn't look as fabulous as he does when he wears that jacket. That Henley that's like two sizes too small for him. So he's all, you know, mm-hmm. you can see all his muscles and stuff. Right. His boobs. <laughs> Ronnie's quite cute. Yeah. I wouldn't kick him out of bed. <laughs> I, I still don't know if I like him with Debbie, though. I don't Although think that's are... a long-term thing. I think he's going to end up with Jenny. Well, yeah, obviously. But, I mean, I think she, he and he and Debbie are a little too alike. Ronnie, behind the bar in the Rovers? What? I think that works, doesn't it? It does work. Oh, and he's got You'd the gift. He's got, got the, the gift, gift of the gab, gab for it. He's got it. He's, he's exactly it. what you want in a, in a publican. Yes. He's got a good ear for listening. Mm-hmm. That man can pull a pint, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And even if he couldn't, nobody would give a fuck. No, because he's easy on the eyes. <laughs> right. Charming all the ladies. But yeah, he'd turn that, he'd mm. turn that Monday pub quiz mm-hmm. totally around. Mm-hmm. That place would be full to the gunnels. Oh, yeah. To listen to him talk about trivia. <laughs> All right. Is this our penultimate story? It is our penultimate story. Woohoo! Silent Sam. Uh, on Friday, Sam still hasn't found his tongue. He and Leanne are in the bistro waiting for Nick. Sam goes off for a silent shite while Nick comes in. Sam's school have given him time off <coughs> and he goes off to see the undertaker now to make arrangements for the funeral or to check on something. I don't know leaving Leanne once again to look after his son. Nick's got his crying head on as he goes to the Undertaker's to look at the order of service and he's very impressed with Undertaker's work. They chat about Sam and Nick is worried it's going to be far too much for the young kid. So the Undertaker slides over a pamphlet that he thinks might help. It's called, So You're Burying Your Mum. <laughs> and this, this sets Nick off. Yeah, I was really surprised that he just writes it and slides it over and says, Oh, here's a good book. I, I thought for sure they would have found yeah. like an actual book and and plugged an actual person who's probably consulting the show about children and, and grieving and stuff. You'd think that they would do that because the show likes to do that sort of thing. And yet it doesn't seem like they're doing that for this. You'd think the Undertaker, because Undertakers, Undertakers, I think, do have these little informational mm-hmm guides and suggestions right what you need to do to arrange a funeral and all this sort of thing Mm -hmm. that i I don't know if he would give them away but if he doesn't then it's a it's another money maker for him Mm -hmm. to to sell that book to to nick rather than just tell him to go and buy it on amazon or whatever right and and i thought he was going to write down the name of a recommended counselor for children as, and, and the grieving process, because I'm sure he's got a list of those as well. Well, we've already mentioned about going and speaking to Toya about that. That's true. I don't know if Toya's speciality is bereaved children. Well, there are a lot of bereaved children on the street. We've already established that. Yeah, more than the national average, I think. <laughs> Nick included. <laughs> right. So it was very interesting to hear him talk about when his dad died and how Gail lied to him. <laughs> <laughs> No, your dad's not dead. So he went looking for him. No wonder Nick's messed up. No wonder. No wonder he doesn't know what to do. Because his mother was a fuck up. 
Yeah, at the moment she's paying off Leanne to divorce Nick, who's left for Canada. <laughs> and Nick doesn't have the money to pay for the divorce. Leanne wants some money for it because mm-hmm. she helped to put him through college and stuff so right. she's entitled to some money here yes she is gail doesn't think that she's entitled to anything but is willing to pay her off just to get her to, just to get rid of her and, yeah. and and draw a line under that martin her husband is none too happy about this because he wasn't consulted so what i think's happening is that he's going to steal the money so that uh this this payment is going to bounce and leanne is not going to be happy about it it's all very exciting. You should tune into our classic Corey podcast that doesn't exist. Hmm. It's a lot of fun. Because I can't be arsed. Yeah, it's ten episodes a week. Oh. No. I tell you though, watching these episodes from uh, 1999 as these ones are, when you're not sitting taking notes about it, mm-hmm. it goes absolutely flying in. That's I'm 22 sure. minutes absolutely sure. flies in. Anyway. So Atiri Nick is in Roy's roles with Audrey. He needs more opinions on what to do about Sam. So he talks about how losing his dad fucked him up. Well, says Audrey, now it's time for you to step up and fuck up little Sam too. And that's as far as we get with that this And week. at least Audrey gets his name right this time. Because she's not drunk on <laughs> the wine. called him Ben, was it, the last time? <laughs> that was hilarious when she was pushed. Oh my God, that was funny. Yeah. It's nice to see Audrey not on the, not on the booze. Right, is she still off it? Well, she is for this scene. Good for her. <laughs> so, Sam's mutism. You know, it's disturbing because this is a character that talks a lot. Who you would pay to shut up, right? Right. So, so I think it works from that angle. Mm-hmm. However, this whole child struck mute by tragedy thing has been done to death in television shows, books, and movies for decades. Has it? Yes. Such as? Because <sighs> I can't think of one. Well, in real life, um, in, uh, in her memoir, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, Maya Angelou talks about the fact that uh, she was struck mute for years after she was after she was raped as a child um, because she she told on the guy and the guy was m- murdered Ooh. by her family and so she felt responsible for the death of this man who had done something horrible to her and so she was struck mute. So what happens in real life then? It, yeah, it happens in real life. It happens a lot in in like television shows and stuff as well it seems like the go-to thing when a child when something horrible happens a child will go silent and then you know towards the end of the movie something resolves and the child begins to speak again yeah i imagine that he'll start speaking again after the funeral that's what i imagine will happen i thought it was funny though that there was a little bit of a conversation where nick seemed concerned that he would Sam's never speak f- again. Or no, Sam's going to fall behind because he's not going. He's not going to school. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Really? Like he's missed a week of school. And he's going to fall behind. He's already right. probably operating on a right. It's like it's fourteen-year-old it's, level. It's like if whatever. we were concerned that Stelly would fall behind when when she had COVID, when she's already like she finished, finished all year, of her right. English courses up to May already. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah, that was that was odd. And the whole, you know, I don't think he is coping sort of thing, which, you know. He's it, super concerned and he's super keen to get people's opinions on it and then never listens to them. <laughs> right. And does nothing. Right. Apart from get somebody else's opinion on it. Right, yeah. Because Leanne, he's got Leanne's opinion on Friday, he's got The Undertaker's opinion on Friday, and he's got Audrey's opinion on right. Friday. We and that's only the ones that we see. We don't see him reading a book. And he's not called Toya yet. If this he was this concerning, then maybe he should call a counsellor before the funeral. Right. Leanne was very, you know, let's get the funeral out of the way and then see how things, mm-hmm. see the lie of the land after that. Let's give him some time. You need to expect them not to be top form Sam right. here, right? Right. So let the boy be sad. Right. Because that's what he is. He's, right. He's not talking, but he's, mm-hmm. I think he's really just sad. Yes. So let him be sad. Yes. Don't tell him that he can't be sad because that's really going to fuck him up. Right. Exactly. You know, and at least, you know, at least Sam knows his mother is dead. <laughs> So at least, he, at least that. Yeah. So Nick is already doing better than his mother did. Mm-hmm. So you know, I feel like I don't know. Chicken I, tonight. I do feel like chicken tonight. Like chicken tonight. Chicken tonight. Gosh, that's gonna be in my head all day long now. I don't know if you can oh. get chicken tonight anymore. No, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> and was nor would you want to. Was there something wrong with it? No, their honey mustard was great. You can make that with less preservatives. Oh, was that what was wrong with it? Probably. Preservatives and Probably. Cancer and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Horse. It feels like they're stretching this out a little bit too much. I would have preferred to have the funeral this week just to get it out of the way because we also have Johnny's funeral eventually. We don't even talk about Johnny at all this week. I've got a horrible feeling <laughs> that he's been buried already. Off screen, the only funeral, was... the only funeral we get for Johnny. We don't even really see Carla going to talk to the Undertaker. We don't, we don't get to see Johnny in a box the way we get to see Natasha in a basket. I'm a Johnny in the box. I'm a Johnny in the cardboard box. I'm a Johnny in the box. <laughs> no, we're Natasha in a basket. Well, that doesn't rhyme. Well, neither does Johnny in the box right now. It doesn't parse. Um, we don't hear anything about. Carla wanting to have a go at, at David. Yeah. This week. And I saw something on Twitter that I thought was hilarious that was basically David saying to Carla, well, you know, if you want to talk about not fixing things in time, how about that roof and how about Rana? <laughs> now we can talk. Right. <laughs> but I, yeah, there was none of that because when I was putting the, the notes in order, I was like, oh, where's the rest of the Sam stuff? There oh, is no there is no Sam, Sam stuff. stuff. There was just Friday Sam stuff. There was no Wednesday no, Sam stuff. No. That was it. it. I think the show has a problem in that it's just got too many... St- it's it's trying to spin too many plates we're, we're, at the same We're time. missing the important stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And again, this is how things like a ghost for no reason and Imran disappearing for a week for no reason sort of happens because it, it's just... There's just too much going on and you kind of forget that, that you've left this gaping hole. Imran's <laughs> gaping hole. That has to be filled. Are you the person to fill it? Maybe we should move on. <laughs> We're sorry, Charlie. I apologise for nothing. 
Our final storyline this morning is bagging ITV Corey. <laughs> On Monday in the Webster household, the wedding is apparently tomorrow. That took me by surprise. Kev needs to start shaving right now. <laughs> Jack isn't enjoying the chat and fakes an earache, asking that Abby stay home and take care of him. Later, Abby knows that Jack is dogging it, but promises not to grass him up as the head to Roy's rolls. And clearly that child has grown a new leg. <laughs> that I, show has completely forgotten that that child is supposed to have one artificial leg. Because I, the way that child sits on a couch and the way that child walks down the street... Like, like there's nothing wrong with his leg. You need to suspend your disbelief a wee bit here. It's re- if you're if you're gonna commit to something like this, remember it because this isn't like this isn't like Craig's OCD. This he, is a missing leg. I thought he sat down carefully. That's I was quite happy. Like with both of his feet out, and both of his feet are moving, and his knee bends. Well, he's still got a knee, hasn't he? Yeah, he's still got a knee. He's still got two knees. Anyway. <sighs> ITV Corey, who has no business being in the area, shouts abuse at Abby, telling her that she's not so big without a gun, are you? Fuck off your dick, says Jack, and he and Abby go inside Roy's rolls. What the hell is wrong with ITV Corey? You'd think that he would know to not be on that street mm-hmm. so and to be laying low. Abby and Jack are worried about the altercation outside. Privately, Nina explains about finding ITV Corey's clothes and handing them in to the police, and it's up to forensics now. But don't tell anybody, because the police said that wasn't supposed to say anything. Oddly, Abby has no follow-up questions for Nina. Mm. Meanwhile, ITV Corey has tracked homeless Stu down to the soup kitchen. Follow me, he says as he walks by, and for reasons best known to himself, <laughs> homeless Stu complies. I know, that was weird. I would have you. said, fuck off. Mm-hmm. I believe I would also have said fuck off. <laughs> At the garage, Kev is working on cars on the day before his wedding just to make sure that he's got lots and lots of oil and grease underneath his fingernails. Always the best. A passing Debbie is very excited until Kev explains about the run-in with Tez the other day and his worries about Tez stirring things up. Debbie offers to check on shit later for him. In the alleyway of doom, ITV Corey wants his clothes back from Homeless Stew. Homeless Stew has no idea what he's talking about and he's kept his side of the bargain so he leaves ITV right. Corey to yeah. it. Yeah, said nothing about clothes, pal. Mm-hmm. You paid for the bag. Dabby, Dabby? Dabby, Dabby, Dabby. Dabby goes to see... It's, we're suddenly doing a podcast about Sesame Street. I think we've been doing that all along. <laughs> Debbie goes to see Abby about this Tez business. Abby insists it's nothing to worry about and then leaves Debbie in charge while she goes to see a photographer for the wedding that's tomorrow. Jack comes in and is distressed that Abby has gone. He comes clean to Debbie about the note that wasn't addressed to him that he stole. He's worried that she's off to kill ITV Corey. There's nothing in that note that says... I'm. That- has a date on it or anything that he thinks this is just like an open thing yeah it's an ongoing situation aye, 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 aye. but Abby has gone to see the cops who urge her patience and to keep shtum about it but Abby needs the truth out there for everyone to see back home Debbie has brought her reading specs with her and has a shifty over the note and <clears throat> she isn't too pleased about what she reads fresh from the cop shop Abby goes to see Nina and they agree that they feel that they're on the verge of justice here Abby is so relieved that she didn't kill ITV Corey and wishes that she'd listened to Nina from the start. Mm-hmm. Homeless Stu comes into Roy's roles. He explains his running with ITV Corey. Nina makes him feel welcome and promises that his meal is on the house. Nina doing the right thing by treating Homeless Stu like a, a human like being. A hero. Yeah. Because he did something to help her. Right, yeah. And is a human being. And also, she wrecked his house. Right. Right. <laughs> 
things everywhere. Abby gets home and Debbie accuses her of trying to track down ITV Corey. She produces a note and Abby quickly susses that Jack had sold her down the river. Why the hell did you write this letter? demands Debbie and the audience. Jack feels that he's let Abby down. He begs her not to kill ITV Corey. Abby swears on Seb's life that she won't. I'm not sure that that works anymore, but whatever. Right, and and then lies about where the gun is. Continually lying about the gun. Why? What's the point of lying about where the gun is? Why not just say, look, I was going to do it the night of Horonation Street, and instead I fell in to the sewers with Corey and the gun washed away. That would set everyone's mind at ease instead of causing Debbie to panic that for some reason an 11-year-old child is going to find this gun and wave it around and shoot somebody. Yeah, but it leads on to, well, do you think that gun was the one that uh, Harvey picked up? Do you think that's the one that killed Natasha? And then all of a sudden Abby's on the... um, She's on the line for that. I don't think Debbie's thinking about Natasha at all. Well, Harvey was the one that knocked Kev out. And Kev's mm-hmm. already thinking about that. So, yeah, I think, I think already... maybe that's why she's keeping her mouth shut about it. Anyway. Still, it's stupid. She tries to explain the note away like it was a fantasy, like she was obsessed and she imagined various ways to kill ITV Corey. It was just a game. Debbie oddly backs her up. And Abby tells them that ITV Corey is about to be arrested, which I don't think is what the cop said. But anyway, don't tell Kev any of this. Privately, though, Debbie still thinks that Abby has some proper explaining to do. Abby rips the note up, calling them the rantings of a crazy woman. Abby she, owes you nothing, Debbie. She, nothing. She admits, though, that her plan was to kill ITV Corey, but the gun is gone now. Jack hears, hears them argue and rushes in to tell him that he hates the pair of them. Right. And then he runs away. And th- I is, hate you both. I love you both. I love you I both. I hate you both. <laughs> I love you both. This is a problem because, because Jack went through turbo puberty <laughs> over right. over covid that he now looks like a it's like a 24 year old man <laughs> shouting i hate you to right people. yes here's this 11 year old child who's now like five seven with a with a, a deep voice a pencil mustache <laughs> we need to be writing better lines to reflect the fact that he's had this spot because right it, it, I, I don't think he's he's we don't believe he's 11 anymore. He could probably pass for 16. Isn't he 15 in real life? He's 14 in real life, I think. This is, this but he looked, he even looks like an old 14. Yeah. He's taller than Benny. He's taller than Kev. He's taller than Abby. He's taller than <laughs> Big Bird. <laughs> he's a tall kid. He's, he's an old looking kid having tantrums. Mm-hmm. Which just looks like there's something wrong. Something not right, right. Yeah. See, this is where putting him back in the wheelchair would help because at least then he'd be short. Yikes. <laughs> anyway, the mood is lightened when Kev comes in with some chalk ices for all. In private, though. Deb- Which is hilarious because Abby just brought in some chalk ices. David demands that Abby calls off the wedding or she'll spill the beans to Kev. She needs to do it for Jack's benefit. Abby is trouble. And then we see ITV Corey <laughs> watching from across the street and reports seeing homeless Stu leaving Roy's Rolls back oh, to ITV Stefan, with- who orders ITV Corey to return to base. Yes. 
He's all chummy with Nina for no reason. You think Nina would be a little bit more careful about this? Right. Go eat through the box. <laughs> also, Debbie has a lot of nerve. This whole "you're not good enough for my family" shite. Yeah. When she Didn't tried to kind of bulldoze the whole street. Right. And rip off your brother. Right. And therefore his son. Right. Anyway, on Wednesday, it's the day of the wedding and Abby's in her tracksuit. Kev and Jack come in all dressed to the nines in their suits looking very fetch. Hmm. Abby has something to say, but of course Kev has no time to listen and nips out, probably to work on an old oily Austin Montego. <laughs> but no, it turns out that Kev has got his hands on a wee classic MG Roadster thing. Abby is well impressed, but then Debbie comes along and insists on helping Abby get ready because she's still dressed like a junkie. Inside... <laughs> Debbie wants to know why Abby is still here and offers her a room in her hotel to get shot of her. <laughs> How many rooms has this hotel got? <laughs> Abby can't leave without saying anything. Oh well, says Debbie. So Kev comes home to find Abby packing again. She's tried to in cancel garbage the ho- bags. Yeah, she's tried, she has no suitcase. She's tried to cancel the whole thing. She's called people. She's put them off, but she can't cancel the venue because apparently it's in Kev's name. Abby says Kev. Abe. 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 He begs to know what's happened. It's over, she says, again. But this time, it's for good, again. She admits to lying to him. She used his money to buy a gun and she tried to kill ITV Corey, but she couldn't. She wrote him a letter confessing it and Jack found it. And now Jack's worried sick that she's going to uh, kill him after all. So that's why she's leaving this time again. Okay? Okay. And And yet... This whole confessing to Kev was was the one caveat that Debbie gave her. She's like, either you leave or you confess to Kev. She's confessed to Kev, so she can get married now. Right. Jack comes home and finds Abby gone. She's gone for good, maybe, this time again, says Kev. Jack is heartbroken. He loves Abby, and so does Kev. Well, go find her, you prickly twat, says Jack. Abby is sitting in the community garden again, crying again. Kev shows up and offers his forgiveness. Let's just move on. Abby doesn't know if she can forgive herself, so Kev uses his words to show what Abby means to him. You're magic. Proper magic. And if I forgive you, then you can forgive yourself. Because I'm a man. Now marry me at that sleazy hotel where Ray Weinstein pretended that he was going to rape you. At the hotel, there are no guests because Abby told them it had been cancelled. So Kev and Jack are sitting waiting for Abby on their own. Just as uh, she shows up, Debbie is appalled and drags Abby away to fix her hair and makeup. Kev hasn't had a haircut or a shave. No. And he's got those little wispies uh-huh. at the back of his neck. Yeah. Still hasn't hasn't even taken care of that. It's Fucking just, hell, Kev. Sort yourself out, man. You've got seriously. this lovely suit. And also, And you look you know, like you've woken up with your face in a, a bowl of cornflakes. Right. He looks 20 years older than he is, which is... Pretty bad when he already looks 20 years older than Abby. <laughs> oh, seeing the two of them stand up together, I was just like... Father of the bride. So Nina has arrived and is walking Abby down the aisle, uh, what was said being dead and that. Mm-hmm. Her entrance music is Ever Fallen in Love by Buscox. Kev still hasn't shaved. <laughs> They've written their own vows, but Oh, Abby... but at least Abby's wearing some lippy now. Oh, fuck off, Debbie. Abby throws her vows away. And she makes him up on the spot. She loves him. She loves Jack. She promises never to try to murder ITV Corey ever again. Actually, she didn't. She forgot to write them, so she has nothing to throw away. Yeah. And and so Jack says, "Just speak from the heart." 
And then she rips up Kev's. Kev pulls yeah. out his vows, but Abby tears them up and tells him to do it from the heart, which she's already done once today. <laughs> and he says that he's no good with words. So That's he's prepared true. and you've torn up his words. <coughs> he loves Abby too, but he's never going to shave ever. Kev's <laughs> about to cry, so a guy who looks like my mate Scott Duncan marries them. <laughs> Privately, Abby and Debbie make their peace. Debbie wishes them all the luck in the world, but then DS Blondie has called Nina to let them know that the forensics have come through and they're off to arrest ITV Corey now. Huzzah! I'm a little amazed that they didn't arrest them first, but whatever. Back at Roy's rolls, Roy is urging Nina not to count her chickens. Then in comes Imran. This has been used to him and he may be able to appeal Kelly the Chin's conviction now. Back at the wedding, DS Blondie shows up with news for Abby and Kev. ITV Corey and ITV Stefan have been tipped off and they've done a runner before we got a chance to arrest them. So maybe don't tell people that you're going to arrest people first. <laughs> On Friday, ITV Stefan and ITV Corey are now living in a warehouse in the future. ITV Stefan has to nip out to a phone box, so maybe it's a warehouse in the past. He needs to call, call Bullcut's dad to get cash so they can flee the country. Kev and Abby celebrate the first day of married life by going to Roy's Rolls. <laughs> Leanne and Bernie thought they'd be on honeymoon. Kev explains about ITV Corey doing a runner, and Leanne wonders if Imran knows all knows anything about all of this. She also remarks that ITV Stefan's money might mean that fleeing the country is pretty easy. Much easier if you didn't have money. And this gives Abby some pause for thought. Mm. So she goes off to see Gary and fills him in on the progress of ITV Corey's case and him doing a runner. After Leanne's comments, Abby wonders if Gary has some contacts or can otherwise help for Kelly the chin's sake, who he seems to have something, uh, some concern over. Mm -hmm. Someone knows something. But Gary says that he can't help. All that's in the past now for him. Abby calls him a prick and leaves. So a bit later, Gary has changed his mind and put out some feelers, but drawn a blank. <laughs> Abby puts Gary onto Bullcut's dad. He's been bribed by ITV Stefan in the past. Maybe he is the key to all this. So they go off to have a look at Abby's laptop. Back in the warehouse, ITV Corey refuses to take that cap off <laughs> and he hears a siren. But luckily, it's just, <laughs> it's just that kid from The Simpsons cycling by with a siren on his bike. And going, ha ha. Mm -hmm. Oh, it wasn't Nelson. It was Kearney. I thought it was Nelson. No, it was Kearney. The one that has kids. Whoever Gary found on Abby's laptop, it's more than enough for him to try and find Bullcut's dad. He can be very persuasive when he wants to be. With a hammer. Yes, his trusty little hammer that he pats mm -hmm. lovingly. Good hammer. Good hammer. <laughs> we find Bullcut's dad in a van on the phone at ITV Stefan parked up when Gary appears at his window and drags him out. Back at the warehouse, ITV Stefan confirms that Bolcut's dad's on his way and they'll be heading off as soon as he arrives. Now at the warehouse, Bolcut's dad now has a limp as he loads ITV Stefan and ITV Corey into the back of the van. Once it's all locked up, Gary appears from nowhere and takes over. He makes a call to Abby. We're on our way. In the back of the van, ITV Stefan complains to ITV Corey about how he should be playing golf today. <laughs> ITV Stefan is a right moan. He really is. And just doesn't let it drop he really doesn't he tells itv Corey that when he becomes a famous footballer in a country with no extradition treaty he wants a yacht and an aston martin there are apparently 33 countries in the world that don't have extradition treaties with the united kingdom how many of them have a football team and they all have football teams none of them very good the mm. best one's probably russia yeah you're not buying an aston martin in russia no or a yacht <laughs> then the van comes to an unexpected stop the van door is opened at Weddy Police Station where Abby, Nina, Kev and then DS Blondie walks in from the side. They're all waiting. 
ITV Corey, says DS Blondie, you're nicked. Abby flashes him a wink. And this makes the whole thing poetic. Yes. <laughs> We're just dispensing with protocol yeah. entirely here. Yeah. Because everyone's but, there. It's like the, the whole cast of characters right. is just waiting to have a big smile the on the face. And the cops are just like... Oh, Gary knows where to get him? All right, fine. Well, Gary's kidnapped these two people and falsely imprisoned them? Sure. sure. That's fine. In an interview room, DS Blondie shows ITV Corey the clothes they found and the masses of forensic evidence they've got, plus bowl cuts, changed his story and thrown ITV Corey under the bus. No comment, says ITV Corey. Right, and he's got a new lawyer. It's not Sabine anymore. No. DS- and that lawyer is just so ineffective. She's like... <laughs> get to the point. Detective Sergeant. This isn't a game. Detective Sergeant. This isn't a game. Why are you dragging us in here? And then she's like, gulp. When it's like, oh, we have forensic evidence now. Yeah. You're fucked, pal, says the lawyer. DS Blondie finds Abby and Nina outside uh, with some off-the-record info. They've agreed to charge ITV Corey with Moida. Belter screams Abby and she punches the sky and does her happy dance. Then she remembers that she's married to Kev. <laughs> Inside, ITV Corey's been led away. Keep your trap shut, says ITV Stefan, who insists that no one can prove nothing. Back in the street, Abby finds Gary to thank him. He seems to have gotten away with the kidnapping and false imprisonment thing. All in a day's work, says Gary. Remember being the supervillain not right, so long yes. ago. Right, yes. The supervillain who, let's remember, has murdered someone and yet is now the hero. Yep. Imran goes to see Kelly the Chin with the good news about ITV Corey. It's a matter of time before she's set free. Huzzah! And back in Roy's Rolls, Kev has bought Abby a big rocket for for bonfire night that she can set off in Seb's memory. <laughs> Nothing says memorialising a deceased child than a big explosion. She and Nina agree to go to the memorial garden to set off later. Imran comes in to tell him about Kelly the Chin. Abby couldn't give a fuck and sends Imran packing, making it clear that she still believes that Kelly started it all. Kelly started it, and ITV Corey finished it, and as far as I'm concerned, the bitch is still guilty, basically, says Abby. Right, even though Abby, to Gary, was like, oh, this might help Kelly, so mm-hmm. please do this. And also, Kelly didn't start it. Well, she slapped Nina. Yeah, she slapped Nina because Corey told her to. Corey told her to slap Nina. Oh, I think it was Bullcut. It was also Corey. No, I think it was just Bullcut. But anyway, so Nina and Abby... But it was for Corey. It's because she wanted to get into Corey's pants. So Nina and Abby go off to the community garden and set off their stupid big rocket. And that's how we end terrifying, this week's episodes. Terrifying all the dogs on the street. Right. Satisfying conclusion. <sighs> Better than I expected. Oh, it's better than any of the other conclusions where somebody has murdered somebody on the street or or abused them or raped them and then shown up dead a few weeks later. Right. I'm glad Corey is going down. I d- I'm concerned that we're not going to see the retrial. No, I don't think we will because yeah. we've seen it once and they're not really keen on showing things like that a second time. Although I, I do believe we're going to see Kelly's retrial. Or Kelly's appeal. I think we'll see the, we'll see the outcome. We'll see the end of it. Because Maximus has already, you know, tweeted. You know, that's all, folks. Thanks for. Thanks oh, he's for, done. Yeah, he's done. So we're not going to see Corey anymore. No. So. I wonder. 
ITV Stefan should probably be getting to jail as well for... For aiding and abetting mm-hmm. and f- attempting to flee the country. And just and- for being a fucking moan. <laughs> and just not letting it go. Yeah. And bribery. I and felt... obstruction of justice. Yeah. There's a lot of things that you could be getting done for. Right. I felt it was... The end in particular... I had a problem with the police telling Abby that they were going to go and arrest ITV Corey before they went and arrested ITV Corey. That's mm-hmm. a really stupid thing to do. And I thought the ending with them all standing at the police station with big stupid grins on their faces, it was a little famous five, I thought. It was a bit... Yeah, but you get the satisfaction of Abby's wink. I liked that. I liked I liked Abby's wink. I really didn't like her happy dance when I expected something a bit more emotional. I expected her maybe to break down. Yeah. That it was all over rather than being whoopying like uh, Anakin Skywalker during a pod race. Right. I. That was a Star Wars reference there. Abby is a character we both like a lot. I feel like this storyline and also her whole relationship with Kev has done a disservice to the character. And I, I agree. I think the character has changed dramatically and a lot of the things that we found appealing about the character have been deadened, mostly by Kev. <laughs> but also by the fact that, you know, tragedy keeps slapping her in the face over and over and over again. We, yeah, I was getting tired of her being the hero like last year. Right, but there's a difference between maybe Abby doesn't get to be the hero all the time to Abby becomes a slobbery mess who is is willingly in this paternalistic relationship with with creepy Kev, who's old enough to be her dad. Well, that's I don't think that doesn't make it (laughs) creepy in and of itself. I just don't think he's. He's not. He's a, not the right man for her. It, he really. He's really not. And he arguably should be single for the rest of his life. But. <laughs> he really should. I mean, I like. I like. I like the idea of her being Jack's mom. I don't like the idea of her being married to Kev. No, I don't either. And that's 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 really hard to reconcile in my brain. That I want her to be a part of this family, but but not have to sleep with Kev. <laughs> You know, and they could have very just easily made Kev a better person. But again, just like with Gary, it's like, no, I have to constantly be putting this woman down who I supposedly love and trying to dissuade her from doing things that are important to her and telling her to forget her dead son. Yeah, I guess Kev has been true to Kev, though. That's true. Because he's been like this his entire life. This is true. But, but, but mean, if somebody makes you, you make me a better person, is, is kind of an oft-used phrase. Right, I'm yes. not sure Abby is the person that make him a better person, right. but we could we could pretend. Right, yeah. Yeah, I guess. You know, and considering how often he said, just forget about it, and, you know, the the courts have decided and everything, I didn't feel like he deserved to be standing there with her at the cop shop. No, he's done nothing to he's help. He's done nothing to help. He's done nothing to help. Granted, Roy has also done nothing to help. 
is continually, you know, being the Debbie Downer of the storyline, saying, well, you know, we, we don't know. This may not work. He was found not guilty, so suck it up, Unfortunately, buttercup. we live in a free country. <laughs> right. Go speak to Maria about this. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm glad it's over. Yeah. I'm, I, I'm, I'm bummed that the wedding went off. I, I kind of feel it was... For, for extending it to this point, yeah. what have we got out of it? We've got Abby having a fling with Imran, or a one night stand at least. Do you think that's going to come back to bite them both in oh, the of ass? Of course it is. It's, it's not there for no reason. It's, it's going true. To, at some point, maybe and not. It kind of feels maybe like, not soon. And but. it kind of feels like that's the reason why she was so snippy with him, more than more than Kelly. Oh, of course. Yeah. She like, doesn't want to see him ever again. Right, yeah. She's putting him at arm's length, not because of Kelly, but because, you know, they banged. Right. Yeah. <sighs> but It is a soap opera. But could they not have just been found guilty the first time round? We would have been robbed of this. We'd have been robbed of a certain amount of drama, but I think we'd have been gifted being robbed of the frustration that we felt in the, the couple of months since the since the trial where an already dreadful character in ITV Corey was made even more dreadful by his cocky reactions to it. And Ugh. I don't know, I could have lived without that. But I don't know. I, like you said, I'm glad that it's done. I'm glad that it's over. I have a little a bit of me that it's just been... I mean, it was, just, it was it was kind of overblown and pantomime at the end. Well, but. like with everything else, I blame COVID because if it weren't for COVID, then the whole sinkhole thing would have happened sooner and we wouldn't have gotten this you know extended storyline we do have a little hint of the future for kelly the chin though that yes. i don't think people are going to be as as keen to see her back as imran and toya are and mm-hmm. what where does she go because they've got that be smiling lassie in the house still don't they yeah well they can have two can't they can they and that tiny wee flat didn't they have like Craig living there as well at some can point? They or Alia and Ryan? Can they have a smiling wee lassie and also a a girl who's just got out of prison? Bunk beds. I don't think they can. And I don't think people are going to be happy to see Kelly the chin back either. Well, let's remember Nina and and Asha and Summer have already kind of forgiven Kelly. You know, because Nina realize Nina remembers that Kelly tried to stop it, and she seems to have, you know, forgiven right. Kelly. You know, and while those girls had an uneasy relationship before, they were kind of friends. You know, Ash had kind of forgiven Kelly about the whole posting the video thing as well. Mm. You know, they know that she's troubled. Summer and Billy have a relationship with Kelly as well. That's kind of, I don't know. I would be sorry to see her. I don't know where what they're going to do with her, but I would be sorry to see her go because I think she is an interesting character. Oh, yeah, very much so, yeah. And I think she, she adds something to the street that none of the other teenage girls do. Yeah, yeah, it's good to have her in it. I have to hope that... She does have more. She fills a void. And maybe this is what she gets, is her uh, rehabilitation in the street Mm -hmm. is uneasy. Right. 
until she does another bad thing. Right, right. And that she's was, our bad girl. And that was the week that was Coronation Street then. What yes. was your moment of the week, Helen? Abby's wink. Abby's... Wink. Oh, wink. Okay, wink. Is it? Yes. Uh, yeah, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, Abby's wink. That uh, it did make the whole thing poetic. Right, yes. That is our... Moment of the week. Your boring moment of the week. Emma trying to pronounce things. Why can't she pronounce things all of a sudden? Because remember, she's supposed to be dumb. Yeah, it's... it's, it's Far too many women are supposed to be dumb on the street. The, I hate it. It's a, it's a far too easy... What's well, me saying this? It's a far too easy joke. Right. That, that Emma is... Is stupid when, and the, in, when the script calls upon it. And in fairness, in that in that same scene, Sean and Tyrone are also stupid. Did we mention the fact that Tyrone is back? And I guess Tyrone is still living with Emma. Yeah. <laughs> My microphone fainted again. The little thing up. I, I I never untightened it, so I don't know why it's all wobbly. It's gone limp. Oh well, I'm still old. <laughs> so that's. Okay. What was it again? Emma oh, mispronouncing Emma, Emma things. things. Is our boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this one up then? Yes, please. If you've walked down the aisle to something cooler than ever fallen in love by Buzzcocks, we need to hear about it. We are the talk of the street at gmail.com and we are at Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode and we will be back next week with more Our Talk of the Street. The Talk of the Street. Cheerio.